right, this is Xane Anderson. Welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today, I am pleased to have as our guest, Eric Wooten. And uh, Eric is awesome. Eric has been, let, let me read a little bit about him. He's been fighting for marriages for more than two decades. Um, he's got a passion and fight for marriages that started on his own as he and his bride of 28 years have navigated a number of things, including infertility, infidelity, everything in between. And he knows what it takes to battle through the low moments. And he's on kind of the same mission that I've been on, which is to try to help people uh, with their marriages and their families. I'm so, so excited to have Eric on as a guest today. And uh, let's, I'd like to maybe just drop into it. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Eric. Yeah, you bet. Happy to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what got you started to wanting to help marriages and families. I'm curious. Yeah, I, that's a great question. You know, I think uh, like a lot of people, I, I reluctantly slid into what I'm doing step by step. But uh, yeah, I don't. It, that wasn't something I woke up and uh, you know was wanting to do. I think I think we had always we got married early, and so I think it, you know you know it's funny look looking back, right? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. So you kind of look back into college and. You know, when we were dating, we were the couple that had all our couple's friends over to, this is really going to date me, but we used to, you know, once a week watch 90210 together back, way back then, right? There you go. And uh, so I just think we've always kind of been a couple who's gathered couples and and done some of that kind of stuff looking back. And then, you know, we struggled our first 10 years of marriage and um, I think nobody, um, I don't want to say I was duped, but, but I feel like people didn't really talk about what it entailed and, and what you really needed to deal with and manage and handle. And almost like everybody was just smiling with their fingers crossed behind their backs. Oh, this will be great for you. Go for it. This is going to be fun. And uh, so we struggled, you know, all our, all our personal issues were getting in the way and that kind of stuff. And so I think our first, you know, decade or so was tough. My wife had an affair just short of 10 years into our marriage, which is obviously a, kind of wake you up moment where you, you, you know, we, we can talk a lot about whether it's faith or commitment or patience or forgiveness, and that's all cute until you have to live it out. And so that's a moment when you're like, okay, what does forgiveness look like? What does reconciliation look like? What does commitment and covenant really look like? And so when you have to walk that stuff out, uh, you get, you get some new muscles and new appreciation. And so I think that, you know, that moment was definitely a moment for us to have having had to work through that uh, to turn around and say, you know, what can we do to help other people not experience what we have experienced? And um, so I think that was probably a catalyst to really, really digging in. And then it's just been kind of a, a journey that uh, of being in ministry and working with marriage organizations and getting a counseling degree and, and that have led us to this point. That's so awesome. One of the things I that I have just noticed and I really love about your story, Eric, is you know people have sometimes immense pain in their life, but a lot of times that pain turns into like a superpower for them. And I feel like that's almost maybe what happened with you. Here you had some some hard times, some rough times, and now you're out helping other people to get through that. So that really, my hats off to you. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this: What would you say are some keys? to a successful relationship, having been through all this. What, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, for, for me, 
the three pillars that that I come back to. And I think really everything I do with couples I could probably categorize under these three. So I would say community, intentionality, and personal responsibility to me are the three keys to successful relationship. And so Tell us I can about kind this. of break break those down a little and then we can go deeper in any one of them that you want to. But community is just the aspect of, I think every couple needs other couples around them that are also trying to strengthen their relationship. It's going to be seasons, you know, certainly when you go through something like an affair, uh, you don't want to do that alone and you need some support and you need some accountability. You need some encouragement. You need some people rallying around you. And I just think that's a, that's a part of marriage in general that every couple needs some good couples around them. Intentionality. People who can help you. I love that community piece where people, you can say, Hey, let's find some other couples. Of course, they're not going to be perfect, but maybe we could learn from them and support each other. That's sure. Great, and then, and then awesome it's just idea. the, you know, for, for me, having, having community is security for your relationship, but, you know, so, so hopefully my wife trusts that most of the time I'm going to, you know, make sound good decisions and be committed to the relationship. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I think a, a second level of security is in those seasons or moments where I'm not, who, who can she call to bring me into account? Right. And, and I think that's where a lot of couples run into a problem is one of them, you know, goes sideways, goes left, decides they're going to stay out and do what they want or, you, you know, whatever develops a bad habit and an addiction or is just not willing to invest in the relationship. If you have nobody in their life that has relational leverage that you can call upon, uh, to me, that's a pretty, pretty dangerous and isolated place to be. Because what are you going to do if your spouse doesn't want to listen to you and you've got no community? you just got to sit and wait. And so I think there's security in relationship when spouses know, Hey, if things get tough, uh, we've got some people that we can call. And when those people call our spouse into account, we know there's uh, you know, some level of accountability and security for the relationship. So community is vital. And that's an interesting balance of course, between you, cause there's another way you could go on that, which is if you're talking about your relationship, to people who are not helpful. What I'm saying is, is if you're going out and you're saying, Hey, did you hear what my husband did or my wife did? And sometimes that can feed on negativity. So I think it's probably if you choose to have people who are, who can be in your life, you want to make sure that they're uh, on the same page. Right. In other words, you don't want to go off and say, Oh, well, yeah, that's horrible. And you should divorce and and lead you down the wrong track. Or you, you know what I'm saying? Which is a, so be careful who that community is if you decide to have a community. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be like-minded people, right? If if you're married and, and your community is, you know, your four single friends and, you know, two of them are, two of them are divorced, the other one's dating a married man. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what kind of advice are you going to get? So that's exactly right. Clearly, yeah. it's got to be a healthy, authentic community who who believe in marriage, who want to <laughs> fight for marriage and are going to help you. Yeah. And probably best to establish that community when you're both calm and you're saying, hey, who should we bring into our community that's going to help our marriage? Right? Absolutely. Because because when, you, when you decide, right? Yeah. When you hit that crisis moment, it's then it, you got to go find community. It, it becomes a lot more difficult. So, you know, that needs to be something that that is just there. So, yeah, that's community piece. Intentionality is just listen, we we've been sold a lie with, you know. Disney and romance movies and everything along the way that, you know, chemistry and if everything is is right in a relationship, everything just happens organically and spontaneously. And, you know, it's not true. We we get busy. So chemistry is not the key to a healthy relationship. Intentionality is. 
And you're going to have to be intentional. The busier you get, you, you add kids, you, you add dogs, you add jobs, you add mortgages, you, you know, pretty soon you're going to have a lot of stuff in your marriage that is not fun, that's logistical, that's business. And so if you're not intentional about, you know, when you're going to have time to connect and have fun, when you're going to have time to talk about the business, about the kids, about that kind of stuff. And, you know, even when you're going to have date nights, when you're going to, you know, talk, intentionality becomes key. I think every couple's got to develop a, a rhythm for their relationship that ensures that the right things are happening and the things that keep them connected. And so, I, you know, I just think we, again, that's one of those things that I'm like, Hey, you know, that'd have been nice to know going into marriage that, <laughs> that there's going to come right. a season. Cause you know, da- dating fools us too. Right. Uh, you know, date dating's got a different agenda. Marriage doesn't dating doesn't have all the relational dynamics that marriage does. And so it doesn't, the dating process doesn't set us up well to understand what marriage looks like. I would right. like somebody to tell me, hey, you'd probably come, you know, maybe early on you're fine because you got no kids and you're both working and, and there's not a whole lot of pressure, but there's going to come a time when you're going to get disconnected when if you're not intentional, the right things are not going to be happening and it's okay to be intentional. So I think intentionality is important. I like that. I like that where you're basically saying, you know what, we're going to be intentional enough to do things like, Hey, we're going to have a weekly date, whether we're feeling like it or not, we're going to right. leave and, and go spend, have, try to have some fun, good times together. Or we're going to, uh, you know, schedule certain things to be intimate or to be, uh, to be, build our relationship, have some time to study together or be together. And I think you're right. I think those things almost should be non-negotiable. It's like, whether we're having a good week or a bad week, we're doing this because we want to build the relationship and we're committed to the long-term rather than just like, Hey, I'm not feeling like it. And and one of the things that, as you said this, that hit me, and I may have shared it with you before, it's just that, you know, Stephen Covey was this uh, thing. I think he had a great idea here and I'll share it. In one of his books, he talks about how somebody came up to him after a conference and said, I don't love my wife anymore. And Stephen Covey just looked at the guy and said, well, didn't love her. Right. And the guy looked back and said, well, you didn't hear me. I've fallen out of love with her. She's fallen out of love with me. We're, we're, we've got three kids. We're probably heading for a divorce. And Stephen Covey looked at the guy and said, well, if you're not feeling it, that would be a good reason to love her. And the guy's like, well, how do you love someone you don't love? And Stephen Covey said, you know, you're acting like love's a feeling. Love's not a feeling. Love's a verb. But if you do the verb, the feeling will follow. And I think this, this principle that you're talking about, Eric, is so genius. This principle of saying, I can lead my feelings. I can be intentional. I can say, you know, Stephen Covey basically said, if, if you act like you love your spouse, even though you're not feeling it. And you keep doing that. Eventually you'll feel like it and not being intentional saying, we're going to, we're going to date each other, even though we kind of had a rough week, we're still going on a date this week, or, you know, we're, we're going to have some time where we can just be alone or whatever it is um, that is intentional. I really, really like that. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, I think we, we talked about this before, but uh but the chances of both spouses feeling like doing, you name it, whether it's sitting down to have an emotional conversation or having that budget talk again that one of them can't stand, or the chances that both people will feel like it, want to be fully rested and energized, be fully focused and engaged, and that just happened organically. I mean, it's just, it's not realistic. We got too much stuff going on. And so, you know, like anything else, you need to, you need to have a calendar that plans out what you do from, 
run those business talks, call them staff meetings to date nights to quick moments of connection for, you know, couples who are people of faith. Maybe it's praying together or devotional for couples who are not of faith. Maybe it's playing a game or reading a book together. Or there's just got to be moments focused. These moments, we're just connecting. We're not going to talk about anything that could lead to conflict. These moments, we got to have the hard conversations and we're going to make sure they happen over here. And so yeah. you just got to, you got to be intentional. Otherwise stuff's not going to, let me say it this way. If you're not intentional, the fun stuff, the reason we got married, the friendship, the fun in the relationship, none of those will happen. All, all the, the business side, the not fun, the logistical, that'll force it, force your hand. I mean, at some point you got to, you got to pay the mortgage. You got to talk about who's taking the kids to the, you know, practice and the doctor and those things will force themselves into your conversation. The fun part won't. I like that. So, so schedule it, even if you're not feeling like it, it's okay to put stuff on the, and, and to do stuff, even if you don't feel like it. Yeah. Knowing it that might, we're building the relationship, it's going to be, yeah, it's almost it, non-negotiable. We're going to, we're going to do these things, even though one or both of us may not feel like it because the relationship is more important than how we're feeling at the moment. Right. Yeah. And it, and it might not be every date night might not be like, Oh, that was amazing. I feel so close to you. It's like, right. you know, it might be mundane, you know, <laughs> three right. out of four times, but, but then the fourth time you may dig into a conversation. It's the same thing with raising kids. You know, when people say, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of time with my kids, but I make sure it's quality. I like what yeah. you did there too. And, and one of the things I just like what you did there, is you tried to keep our expectations in check. I heard I heard somebody say this, you know, if your expectations are here and reality's here, you're frustrated, right? So as my expectations go up and my reality goes down, well, the truth is we can't really control anybody else, but we can bring our expectations in check with reality and say, you know what, it might be mundane and that's okay. And it might be a, it might be a bad day, but we're still going to do it each week because two or three days down the way, we might have a, a great one. We might be yeah. really irritated. We're still going to go out and see if we can have some fun, but we're going to do it anyway to be intentional. I love that. Yeah. So that's intentionality. And then the third one, personal responsibility is just the idea that we all, we all bring baggage into a marriage and um, I'm finding more and more counseling couples that often the couples who are not making it, it's, it's not usually a relational issue. It's usually a personal issue that's never been dealt with and prevents a person from relating in a healthy way in the relationship. And so I, I think when it comes to marriage, we we have a marital responsibility in that, you know, I, I, that's where you talk about love languages or emotional needs or how you receive love. You know, the things I need to do with you um, for the benefit of our relationship. That's that's a what I would call marital or relational responsibility. The personal responsibility is you know, I got to heal the wounds in my life. And some of that's childhood stuff. Some of that's past relationships. But if, if I've got some, you know, let's say I grew up in a home where my father was super critical and nothing was ever good enough and love was given and removed based on performance. And, you know, if, if I don't deal with that and I step into a marriage, any any type of critical feedback of any level, no matter how well delivered by my spouse is going to trigger that wound, right? I'm going to be highly defensive. Uh, you know, I'm going to withdraw when I'm criticized. I, you know, I put my marriage in a position where at some point my spouse now says, 
I guess I cannot address anything with you because you get highly defensive attack back and it prevents you from being able to have a good relationship. You, you know, you got a responsibility to heal that. And so I think couples have an individual responsibility to say, Hey, if there's things in my life that are preventing me from relating in a healthy way, I got to deal with that for the sake of the marriage. And, uh, you know, some couples don't deal with their baggage and get lucky because their baggage and dysfunction fits together. Most couples, it, it becomes like gas on fire, right? You got somebody with abandonment issues and they marry somebody who's conflict avoidant because, you know, the dad was physically abusive and conflict always led to yelling. And so the moment there's a conflict, that person withdraws and the person who feels abandoned, that's triggered and they chase them. And you, you just see these cycles that are like, this is nothing to do with the two of you and everything to do with your your issues that have not been healed. Man, so so important to take that. And I think it's such a hard step. You know, as you were talking, the thing that came to mind, you know, just what Jesus Christ said, I'll just bring it up. Jesus Christ was like, you know, it's so easy to see what's wrong with somebody else. It's so easy to say, you know what, man, I can tell what her issues are. I can tell what his issues are. But when Christ said, you know, cast the mode out of your own eye first, he basically say, you know what, as soon as I'm looking at people's issues, I'm already over the edge. Maybe what I need to do is say, man, do I have something I need to resolve? A personal wound, personal hurt, something that I'm doing that's contributing to this. And that takes a lot of maturity to say, man, I'm going to just focus on trying to be the best version of myself and realize that there's some things I may need to deal with that's hurting the relationship rather than always seeing cheated this or he did this or something like that. Right. And that that's a hard place to be. People are brave enough to say, man, I'm, I'm contributing to this. Maybe I need to work on myself. Right. Right. And, and here, here we go again with community. Cause guess, guess who you're not going to want to hear that from your spouse. <laughs> right? How, how receptive are you to your spouse going, Hey, you know what? I don't think I'm the problem here. I think I triggered something in you that was here before I came along. Um, you know, 10 out of 10 spouses are not going to receive that. They're going to be like, oh, okay. So it's never you. It's always me. You know, you start running down that road. We, you know, which is why we need community, which is why we may need a counselor at time, which is why we need some outside voices to say, hey, here's some stuff I'm seeing that that, you know, it may, it may help you to work on this. I think that's a great idea. Get I all, you know, and also, and of course, be careful with who that community is, right? Like you were saying, yep. if, if you're getting advice from people who are telling you to get it, you know throw your marriage in the, in the trash bin, because I did, and you should too. And I think you got to be really selective and say, Hey, if we're going to let these people into our community, um, let's make sure that they're building our marriage. Cause our marriage is really, really important. So let's, let's make sure it's safe from, from influences that would tear it down. Right? Yeah. I'm like, let, let's just do what we would do in any other area of life. If I'm, if I'm trying to build a business and I'm an entrepreneur, I'm not going to go talk to the guy that has started and failed in five businesses, right? I mean, I, I'm gonna talk to the guy that's got a 20 year business, right? That knows how to grow through different seasons. And so, you know, yeah, let's just use logic, right? Don't don't talk to your mama who's on her third <laughs> husband, uh, you know, go go find somebody else who, who has been successful, who's worked through some difficult things. Cause listen, I don't care what you're dealing with in your marriage. I promise you, I can find you in five minutes, somebody who has dealt with what you're dealing with and has worked through it and has come out better on the other side. There's, a, I, I could find you 
tons of those people for whatever you're going through. And so find some people like that, that they will, they will give you the hope and the tools to get through whatever it might be. Right. So let me ask you a question. Why do you think there are so many marriages that are struggling today? Uh, I think one, one of the reasons is what I just said. People have not done the personal work. And so that, that is preventing them. You know, I think another, another reason is what you said earlier, which is expectations. Uh, you know, if, if you've got wrong expectations about what people or marriage is supposed to be like, right. That what you talked about was that gap between my expectation and my experience. Right. And when there's a right. gap in there, I'm going to fill in that gap with something and it's either going to be, you know, assuming the best of my spouse, assuming the worst, or, you know, assuming this is, so I think that, and, uh, and then I would just say for most couples where they get stuck is, is managing their differences. I think most couples struggle, uh, in the area of how do we manage our differences? And again, I think th this is one of the areas I wish somebody had, you know, I make sure I talk to premarital couples about, I wish somebody had told me there will be many areas of your marriage that you will never resolve. Right. I just had the mentality that if there's a problem and if there's a gap of difference, that we should be able to resolve it and find some meat in the middle, 50-50 compromise on everything we deal with. And the reality is research shows that the majority of issues in marriage are what they call perpetual problems. Right. They're not resolvable. And so what we have to do is learn how to manage uh, those differences. And I mean, that could we could be here for four shows talking about this, right? You talk about spender saver you talk about introvert extrovert you talk about uh, people who love independence and alone time versus a spouse who wants more together time and intimacy you talk about sleep routines who goes to bed early and who goes to bed late and gets up early and who likes to fall asleep with the tv on who needs complete silence and a fan in their face and i mean you could just go on and on down the list of these differences that a lot of them you don't notice until you get married and then you realize there, there is no 50-50, we're both happy with the outcome. You give a little, I give a little, and we're both satisfied. A lot of times it's, it's what, what I deal with couples, I, I, te I refer to it as closing the gap, right? We've got this gap between my perspective on gap, something right? and your perspective on something, and we're never going to meet in the middle. But right. how can I step, you know, one step towards you, you take one step towards me, and we don't close the gap, but we've shown some level of value, right? So just to, as a really easy, dumb example, saver spender. The spender could say, hey, I, I will not get Starbucks one time each week to show I value the fact that, that you think that's a waste of money, right? That only saves 20 bucks a month, but it's a move towards the other person to say, I care about you. I don't value the same things, but I'm going to move towards you. And maybe the, maybe the saver never goes out to eat because that's more expensive and we should just eat at home. And the saver says, you know what? You love going out to eat because you love the experience and our time together. So I'm willing, let's do twice a month we go out to eat. Now they're, they're not even close to meeting in the middle. But both, they but, both kind of hate it, but it's a move in the right direction, right? It's, it's just basically saying, because I care about you and I value you, I want to try to move towards you. And I like what you did right there, where you, where you could, when you have those conversations, I've heard it said, you know, you have this conflict track, which is where you're, when you're really kind of heated. 
And you have this other track where you're on a communication track where things are less heated. It's almost like you're in a boardroom. The time to have these conversations isn't when you're in your, when you're heated and you're in a conflict track. It's when you're sitting there calmly, almost like with a pen and paper. And you could say, Hey, you know, maybe I'll, let's go, I'll do twice a month. And you come up with a system, right. To kind of bridge that gap that you're talking about when you're calm. Yeah. Um, you probably don't. Than, you never, and you always, and, and right. it's funny. you got it. You got to do it when you're it, that same mentality would be as if you're sitting down on a business meeting saying, you know what, let's, let's brainstorm this out and see if we can figure out where I'll do a little bit what you want me to do. And maybe I'll give a little bit. And, and that kind of mentality where you're talking to each other, like maybe you're in a boardroom together rather than sure. in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, you almost need to take a break, let things settle down and come back when you can talk like you're like you and I are talking right now. Right. Yeah. You absolutely need to. And that goes back to intentionality. I, I recommend a lot of couples have a weekly staff meeting to do just that address right. area, address areas in the relationship they're trying to work on, talk about upcoming appointments and all that kind of stuff. Cause yeah, in, in the moment when, when the saver is yelling at you because they're looking at the credit card and see, you know, $80 in Starbucks charges. And they're like, you know, we got a Keurig that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. That's probably not the moment to go. Well, you know, let's talk about negotiations, right? Wait till things simmer down. You could, if you can sit at the table together with a pen and paper and you're in that boardroom mode, that might be the time to, to try to bridge those gaps. I also wanted to say, you know, if you're, if your spouse and you are different, that actually can add spouse spice to life. I mean, yeah, some couples are really the same and that might be, and that that's easy to work with. But when you do have, you know, a spouse who's like a spender or a saver and you have to work those differences out, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you married the wrong person. It doesn't mean that your marriage is doomed. It may just mean that you get to work things out and, and really you'll have a breadth to your marriage that maybe people who are more similar wouldn't have, right? So it's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. But- there are some areas that are painful enough. That's why I say, I think, yeah, I think step, step sure. one, goal number one is, can you celebrate your differences, right? And value them. That's what you're talking about. Hey, you know, sure. you're organized. I'm not, uh, man, I value your organization at times. That helps me do what I do better. But there's going to be a lot of times it's frustrating because you keep wanting to beat the dead horse and talk so much and you need too many details and it takes you so long to make a decision. And, you know, so I think celebrate when you can, but when you can't celebrate because those differences are causing you enough pain, that's when you got to figure out how do you close the gaps and and manage them. And then it's about, you know, accommodating as best you can and then just accepting this is who they are. You're, you're not going to fundamentally change. That's why this this whole we're going to get married or divorced because of irreconcilable differences like that's every marriage. Every time you sign up for marriage, you are signing up for a specific set of irreconcilable differences based on who you are and who they are. And right. managing those becomes the key to, you know, success in a relationship. I love that. And it's worth it. It's worth the fight, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you can go in thinking, you know, marriage is going to be a lot of work. It's going to be tough. We're going to have to learn to manage things that we're not going to be able to change. But that uh, becoming, that working together, um, you know, they say people who have some of these hard problems, if they, if they stick it out and they work together, a lot of times years later, they're really, really grateful they did. Whereas if they decide to split up and not work on them, not work at their stuff and take personal responsibility and do these things, a lot of times it causes immense pain that can go down for generations in, in divorce and ugly marital problems. It's worth the time 
to learn these things. It's worth the time to, to try to save your marriage is worth a, a bazillion. I mean, in not it's, we're not putting in monetary terms, but if you wanted to, you could say it's worth a hundred quadrillion dollars work on it. It's worth saving. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously if two people are willing to work at it, you know, I've always got hope for them. It's, it's pretty tough if somebody's just not interested, right? I just, you, you can't make somebody be married. Uh, but most couples, if they can manage those differences and the dance and the patterns they get stuck in, you know, they can, they can create a relationship that's pretty enjoyable. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with us? We really appreciate you, Eric. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. I mean, you've got so much wisdom from your own experience and helping marriages and this, these points about taking personal responsibility, being intentional, um, community really appreciate you sharing your insight with us today. Is there anything? Yeah, else no, I mean, I, obviously we could, you know, we could talk for another three hours, but, but I, I just think, you know, for, for most couples, if, if you'll get intentional and, uh, and I've got I've got uh, on my website, so you know I know we'll we'll end with this kind of stuff anyway. But I but I've got a couple free gifts. So if if somebody's dating, I've got a little daters manifesto that'll give you some awesome. ideas on what to look for, what to look out for. And then uh, for married couples, I've got uh, it's called uncovering your relationship rhythm. It really just talks about how to be intentional. How do you create a rhythm, weekly, monthly, yearly rhythm where the right things are happening because you're intentional and you're planning them. And I just think for most most couples, however you may be struggling with the right people around you, community, and and some level of intentionality, uh, you can you can turn your marriage around pretty quick. Pretty surprising what a little bit of it. And I'm not talking about a lot of time. I'm talking about you know 15 minutes twice a week and maybe a date night and a staff meeting, and and you will start to see some pretty extreme changes in your relationship. And so I would just encourage couples listen. A little bit of intention. I know you may not feel like it. You may not like them. You may not be in love or you fill in the blank, but with some intentionality and the right community around you, uh, I, I think you can turn it pretty quick. I love that. I love that. So you've kind of shared a little bit about where people can find you. Is there any other way you'd like to, to let our viewers or listeners here uh, reach out to you if they'd like to learn more? Yeah, I think, I mean, just, just go to my website. It's probably the easiest alteredmarriage.com. And like I said, backslash gift, and you'll see a couple free downloads that, that you can grab on there and you'll see social media, my YouTube channel and classes and all the other stuff we do, we do on there. Um, but yeah, if there's anything I can do to help couples married or dating, uh, would love, love to be part of their journey. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you sharing your insight with us and, and, uh, appreciate you very much. Yeah. Glad to be here. Let's do it again. Okay. Thanks, Eric. All right. I am so jealous of my wife because she gets the ultimate career. She gets to train and nurture and love our children more than I get to because I have to be doing things like this podcast. Parenting is the ultimate career. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review. Thank you for listening. You can also check out my book, What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die. It's available on Amazon and other bookstores. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>